Hi everyone. Uh, I have an apology for our super late episode. This one is just for this one's on me. This one's on me. Uh, I'm editing this feed and I had a work deadline and I made a choice to do my job instead of my hobby, which listen, I think we can all get, uh, but we're back now. Here's the episode here. And I'm so excited to next week release the final episode of our Our Flag Means Death run. As a heads up, this feed is going to take the rest of August off as a vacation. And we're going to be starting up one to watch in this feed as our coverage starting the first week of September. Uh, we have also got to point out an excellent listener email. Our first listener email. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. So a huge thank you to Colleen, who sent in a very cool correction about our episode eight. So I'm just going to read Colleen's little email to all of you. Hi, I just listened to your latest episode where you talked about how the whip in the episode was CG. A lot of it was practical, though. The podcast, Be Gay, Do Piracy, did an interview with the stunt person back in May. And she provides the link to that exact episode. I'm so excited to listen to that. And I am so impressed and amazed that the whippies were practical. Ugh. So cool. I love this show. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. I apologize again for the lateness of this episode. And I like to apologize for all the fidgeting that you can hear me doing in this episode. My mic picked it up the whole way through. So sorry, there's nothing I could do. But I have fixed my mic setup. It's too late to save Our Flag Means Death. But on our next podcast, one to watch. I will have better podcast etiquette for you all. Without further ado, let's get into episode 9 of Our Flag Means Death. Take it away, theme song. Emily. Megan! have a reveal for you <gasps> oh i'm ready tell me 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 what is that it's a tattoo it's a neck tattoo it's a neck tattoo is it a pirate I... tattoo yeah it's a snake it's peeling off because it's not real <laughs> i wondered why you were talking to me with your shirt pulled up i wanted to show you on the podcast but um my friend threw an our flag means death birthday party mm-hmm. and uh, one of the features were neck tattoos. And it was my friend Heidi, and I didn't make it to the act. Sorry, were temporary tattoos, not neck tattoos. It wasn't <laughs> mandatory to put it on your neck. I didn't make it to the party, but I was at her house the night after to watch a movie, mm-hmm. and she had leftover tattoos. So I also got this really cool one on my arm. I love of it. A shark around an anchor. And I had a little ship's helm on my face where Aww. Izzy has his little X. But I had a Zoom call today, and I didn't want to have a big tattoo <laughs> on my Zoom call. So I wore a turtleneck. Oh, in May in LA. <laughs> yeah, it was hot. 
Uh, listeners, my voice is going to be a little husky because it Ooh. was the last day of the Ren Fair. It was the last day of the Ren Fair yesterday. There was a lot of dirt and dust and a lot of screaming at the joust. And then I went to aforementioned friend Heidi's house. And we watched a movie and roasted it. A movie we all hated just so we could roast it. I'm not going to tell you what movie it is, listeners, because that would be unprofessional. But um, <laughs> there were moments where I would pause the movie and be like, look at this. And I pull up my phone and pull up a scene from a different movie that I thought did what this movie was trying to do, but well, actually. And my favorite was one pretty intricate sequence where I would just point at the TV and either go bad or good every time the <laughs> shot came on because of how much I hate the composition of cinematography in that movie. <laughs> and it's not Cats 2019. It's a different one. Listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let my true colors fly. Your true colors. I love the musical cats i love it with all my heart but i will never watch the 2019 version of it i will not (laughs) okay but what if i make you no i will draw the line at that like absolutely not special okay maybe if if we hit like 200 patrons patrons or like 500 patrons or some like Big you know goal. Let's set it at 500. Let's okay. set it at 500. Let's make it something really big. Okay. And then I'm going to make you watch the recorded real version of Cats and say, look how I beautiful love it Cat- is. Emily, I like I know. I'm saying cats. we will watch it oh. together because it's really good. Okay. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's not going to be a big ask for you to make me watch the recorded Cats. Because yeah. listen, musical theater... There's, like, a different level of suspension of disbelief to it. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's a much different level of, of charm to a theatrical production. But the, okay, and this isn't going to, listen, we have to save it for that Patreon episode. The problem with 2019 Cats is they made the wrong things realistic. And it left even bigger, more confusing holes in the story. You know what I mean? do well i don't actually because i haven't seen it you don't because you haven't seen it <laughs> we digress oh my dog just sneezed all over me <laughs> disgusting disgusting uh hi everyone welcome to <laughs> now that we've had our preamble welcome to my sister made me view it miscellaneous feed currently covering season one of our flag means death in this episode we all go on an emotional roller coaster, and I, for the first time in this series, forget to warn Emily when to close oh her eyes. Oh my goodness gracious, <laughs> everyone! Ugh. Okay, Emily. First, uh, first brush. What are your thoughts on this episode? Um, I was. It was so short. I mean, it wasn't so yeah. short. It ended at a very good place. The pacing in this episode was wonderful, but it just ended so suddenly. And I'm just like, no, I need more. What happens next? So mm-hmm. um, I am, we'll talk about it. I am torn on how I feel about Steed. Nothing's right, I'm torn. 
yep. Steed was my favorite at the beginning of this the show. Now it's probably Blackbeard. Steed's in the doghouse with me. <laughs> Emily, you tell me all the time that you love betrayal in stories. I do, but not when it affects me personally. Okay, well, <laughs> uh, let's get started on season one, episode nine of Act of Grace, which <laughs> starts with Admiral Badminton um, losing it. Uh, it interviewing the crew. Oh, that's right. Okay, sorry, I'm jumping ahead. It gave me very, um, for those of you who have seen Firefly, they get boarded at one point. And everyone is telling a different story and the way that it is cut and the dialogue that goes together is one of the best parts of that that first season. And this was giving me very Firefly vibes. Oh, uh, how many seasons of Firefly are there? There was only one! (laughs) (laughs) Technically only half of one because they got canceled early. That's true. Okay, who made that stupid decision? Fox. I know it was. I'm just saying... Everyone knows that was a terrible decision. Space space sci-fi is very expensive to make. And reality television is inexpensive to make, but generates a ton of income. It was a business decision. Boo. Where's the art? Where's the soul? I don't know. Hmm. Would you have rather lived in a universe... Where Supernatural got canceled after season one, or Firefly ran too long. Oh, that's so hard. Because you know me, I love some Supernatural. (laughs) But, oh, seasons one, okay. I will admit, have not seen all the seasons of Supernatural. We will at one point, though. Megan and I have decided we're going to do that. Can I tell them about Superbugs? Yes. (laughs) Okay, listeners. Someday, far, far in the future, we're going to do a podcast called Super Bones, where we watch one episode of Supernatural, one episode of Bones, cover it in a in a joint episode, and then make up a fake third show that connects the two universes, and it's going to be called Super Bones. And then after that, we're going to be in our 50s, and then we're going to cover all of Grey's Anatomy, and the podcast <laughs> is going to be called Until We're Old and Grey's. <laughs> Because, Meg, you've posited to me that Bones and Supernatural exist in the same universe. They do. There is magic and supernatural things in Bones. And the FBI exists in Supernatural. <laughs> Ergo, <laughs> they share a shared universe. Um, Supernatural, maybe not so much, but it is canonical that Bones and Sleepy Hollow exist in the same universe because they have a crossover episode before Sleepy Hollow shot themselves in the foot by getting rid of the main character that I actually liked and watched the show for. So I stopped watching when that person got killed off. Boo, Sleepy Hollow executives. (laughs) Bad choice. Wasn't that also Fox? (laughs) get it together man not speaking of killing everything that we love uh nigel badminton is sad about the death of his dear twin brother so let's get back to him (laughs) i want to talk about the camera work in this interview scene do it 
Do you remember back when we were covering uh, episode one where I talked about how the camera looks at the inside of Steed's cabin? Yes, a little bit. I'm giving you a visual hint so you can talk about it. Nothing in the room is straight. Yes, they always film at a lower angle so that um, the lines are usually like leaning. Uh, However, all of the shots with the British, and particularly the ones featuring uh, Nigel as he's speaking, are all done uh, being shot with very careful vertical and horizontal lines to fit the visual language of the Brits being dudes with sticks up their butts. Interesting. (laughs) Yes, everything is very formal. Like, He's sitting at the captain's desk and he's interviewing everyone. And I also don't speak English as well. <laughs> it's like a Paul has fallen over the ship because Admiral Badminton, Badminton, yep. uh, it's been the end of a long day. Um, ooh, I, I, I was torn because on the one hand, listen, if that someone killed one torn. of my siblings, uh-huh. I would also be out for blood. Mm-hmm. But we know what happened was truly an accident. And the other guy was just being a real jerk. Not that anyone deserves to be murdered for being a jerk. I want to make that very clear. Ah, you do in this show. Oh. (laughs) In the universe of our black means death, being mean (laughs) means you're going to get murdered. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I I, I felt for the dude because... I, I could kind of understand where he was coming from, but at the same time, he did not want to listen to reason. Yeah. And he really went above and beyond his duty. He really overstepped the line. He's the criminal! <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that scene, which I love. Oh, eventually, it comes to light that... So, so Nigel is fairly sure that Steed is the one that's done it. So the crew has all been interviewed, and then it's Steed's turn to go in the hot seat. And uh, the other pirates are sitting up on deck, you know, being loosely guarded by the other British naval men. And one of my favorite interactions in this episode is Black Pete and Lucius. Uh, Where Black Pete is like, sweetie, why are you holding yourself like that? Nervous tummy? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway, Lucius is hiding Steed's journal, like all of the evidence. And so lines that live in my head rent free. You got to get rid of that, babe. I know that, babe. <laughs> <laughs> I love that it is almost like a kid trying to hide something because the journal outline is clearly like, it's very clear he is holding something big and boxy under his shirt. And I just loved the... That kind of feel of like, okay, I I made an instantaneous snap decision and maybe didn't think it all the way through. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Emily, you called it early on in this season where you're like, I think the journal is going to come back and be important. And you mm-hmm. were right. Mm-hmm. You were right. So we're trying to throw it overboard and Frenchie takes it upon himself. You know, he claims that he's born for this kind of espionage. Yeah, they ask Roach for a distraction. Unfortunately, it's all for naught because Frenchie trips instantly. The British get the journal. So Frenchie, bless his heart, tries to play it off that this is a work of fan fiction about 
fantasy. <laughs> and I just love that so much because I, as an avid reader of fan fiction, mm-hmm. would read that in a heartbeat. <laughs> Emily, did you write a bunch of fan fiction before Lord of the Rings? Was that kind of your first big fandom? Lord of the Rings was my first big fandom. It was me and a group of friends, and we did like a, a round robin story, which you <laughs> took part in as well. That was really, really fun. Um, I attached myself onto like a male anglerfish. <laughs> <laughs> did you write stuff besides that one? Did you write fics besides that one? I dabbled in. Listen, I've never published any fanfic. Mm-hmm. I am so amazed by people who write and publish fanfiction because people write literally. 40,000, 50,000, 60, 80, 90, 100,000 K words for free and put it out there for people to enjoy. Fan fiction is just me getting to sit down and unwind after a long day, either reading it or just writing it. I've never published mm-hmm. any of it. It's just like my little me time. I have, I'm the sort of person that like gets an idea for a huge big story and then starts it never finishes. So I think I have some unpublished or some unfinished Lord of the Rings fan fiction floating around from when I was like 13 or 14. I definitely wrote Lord of the Rings inspired poetry. I remember being mm-hmm. super proud of uh, one from the point of view of Boromir as he was dying and one from the <laughs> point of view of Aragorn, of that horse in the second movie that Aragorn <laughs> befriends. Yeah. Uh, and then one more, and I can't even remember if I published this one or not, about a elf from Rivendell who was in love with Legolas. Shocker. Um, but she <laughs> fell off one of the Rivendell waterfalls and died. First thing. That's oh, no. like how the story starts. And her oh. ghost follows the fellowship. And it was like a way to explain all of their near death escapes. That like, the only thing I remember really planning is she actually used some of her ghostly powers to push the staircase in Moria forward when it looked like it was going to fall back. <laughs> <laughs> That's the beauty of fanfic. You can write anything you want because you just get to play in the sandbox. And yeah. yeah. So Frenchie can't stop imagining Steed in different scenarios all totally made up. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, it seems that Steed has rather exaggerated the events of Um, um, Chauncey. Chauncey. Okay. (laughs) Chuggy. We're going to say Chauncey. I'm sorry, everyone, if that's the wrong name. Uh, Emily and I are running pretty low on fumes tonight, but we still want to record this because Emily deserves to watch episode 10, and she can't do that until we record. I do. Uh, But anyway, Steed has greatly exaggerated the events of the death. Uh, However, Nigel doesn't believe a bit of it. And why is that, Emily? Who has confessed? Frickin' Blackbeard confessed. And he's just like, yeah, I stabbed him all over. I stabbed him everywhere. I just stab, stab, stabity, stab, stab, stabbed him. When we were watching this and Nigel says that Blackbeard confessed to the crime, Emily goes, (gasps) and covers her face. And she went, no, (laughs) oh, no. (laughs) I just want everybody to be okay. I know. But then Steed, eyes full of tears, admits that he did He killed him. Mm-hmm. And he keeps getting flashes of Chauncey with this sword through his eye. Oh, wait. Um, and it's really... Oh, am I skipping too far ahead? No, you're not. I was wrong. Nigel's the dead one. Chauncey's the dead one. Did I not say one. Nigel? Did I not say Nigel? He did. 
<laughs> Y'all, I'm a bad fan. You're I'm not s- a bad fan. I'm such an unprofessional podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> My dear twin brother. Oh, and then Steed breaks down crying after he admits it and signs a confession. Mm-hmm. Well, Emily, who's come back aboard with the British to join the crew? Frickin' Izzy. Izzy's Frickin' back. Izzy hands. Frickin' Izzy hands. I don't know why he thought Blackbeard would be pleased with him aligning with the English. I'm very upset with Izzy. I'm extremely upset with Izzy. I He's think... a good, he's got good character motivation. He's doing exactly what his character would do. I'm just very upset that he chose to do this. Yeah, I, I feel Izzy truly believes that with Steed out of the way, everything's going to go back to the way it was. He just has to find a way to talks- get rid of Steed and he can have the old Blackbeard back. Blackbeard will be himself again without being brainwashed. Yeah. We've got a we've got a tribunal and it's stacked up, you know, all the all the uh the British officers are on the aft deck. And Emily, you noticed something about two of the British officers flanking Admiral Badminton. Who is it? They're the two officers that got kidnapped in the beginning of the season. And the one that got all sunburned looks like he recovered okay. So, whew. Yep. So, worried there. It looks like they were successfully ransomed back to the British, the <laughs> English. Oh, how it, the turntables. <laughs> Something else I kind of want to giggle about. In one of our very first episodes, I can't remember if it was one or if it was two, you called Ed Black Beard. You put the space between it. And that's something yeah. that Badminton does here. And he's like, black beard. And they're like, it's just black beard, man. Like, put it together. One word. Come on. <laughs> um, he is so, Blackbeard is so, like, whatever about this. And Nigel's, like, really nervous. And I'm just so happy Blackbeard came back. He came back for his friend. He did. Oh, man. Too bad Steed didn't return the favor at the end of this episode. I'm so angry about that. So Blackbeard technically should be sentenced to death for piracy, but Mm -hmm. as part of the price for getting Steed uh, to Admiral Badminton, Izzy, as his reward, he gets Blackbeard remanded into his custody. And there's just, there's such a sad moment where Ed looks over his shoulder and Izzy just sort of like raises his hand as like a, just like a little he doesn't even wave he just kind of goes like hey the is uses he? his gloved hand which you know i have feelings about because he's blackbeard's right hand man and so he wears mm-hmm. a glove over his right hand because it's special and sacred for him and ah. i also hate izzy hands but i think i hated him so hard <laughs> i came all the way around and i was like <laughs> Do you know what? I hate Izzy Hands. I love Con O'Neill. I think every acting choice he makes is genius. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ed's so bad. Anyway, and then Steed gets sentenced to death as well by firing squad. And they have... Oh, okay, listen. I understand life on the seas was dangerous and difficult and a, and a atmosphere of, of abuse. But they have to... They have front row seats to watching their captain get shot Mm -hmm. that's horrific yeah that's awful uh it is a parallel to what was going to happen to him in episode three when he was to be hanged on the spanish remember jim and 
uh, Roach and oh, who's the other crew member they bought brought? There was one more crew. Was Olu there? I can't remember. But the the crewman who went over to deal with the Spanish. Anyway, I love the deeply romantic, very Han and Leia moment where Ed is like, you know, we'll find a way out of this. And and Steed is like, no, I deserve this. Uh, The time has come, you know, in a man's life, he has to face the music. And then there's this great hard comedy cut to him actually being blindfolded, being like, I don't want to die. because this show you know is a comedy all the way through but uh when he's saying for the things that he's done he has a flashback to when nigel dies and the people he's hurt he has a flashback to his wedding with mary he is still feeling Mm -hmm. intense guilt over what he did to mary by abandoning her Mm -hmm. man i wonder if and it's interesting because we've only seen like glimpses of this throughout the season Mm -hmm. of just this was his life and i really like how they kind of played up mary to be like sort of like a shrew a little bit at the beginning you assume like that's why he left she's got to be so awful and terrible and all of these things but as the season goes on and we get to know her through a few more flashbacks i love how the story kind of turns our perspective of her on her on our heads Mm -hmm. um and we realize oh steed is a much deeper character mary's a much deeper character yeah i just thought it was it was all great uh we interrupt this program to punch izzy hands in the face (laughs) (laughs) ed really clocks him like he does hard he goes he goes down so hard the man almost does a somersault like his (laughs) His feet go all the way up in the air and just the dishevelment level of hair when he stands back up. He says, oh, do you know what? That's fair. That's fair. But he talks about, he's like, when you made me first mate above all else is loyalty to your captain. And I would like to suggest that Blackbeard decides in this moment to show loyalty to his captain his co-captain because here's the thing not that blackbeard has created his own monster i'm not saying izzy is a monster Mm -hmm. i mean i am but i'm not you know (laughs) if if izzy fully believes and follows that saying then i almost feel like blackbeard can't be mad at the lengths izzy went to to get his captain back because Izzy is probably his most loyal employee, mm-hmm. you know. But to be fair, Izzy is being loyal to Izzy's image of Blackbeard, and he's not actually being loyal to his captain's actual <gasps> wishes. Trying to get him to kill his pet, Steed, and yeah. Just trying to yeah. make him send Steed to doggy heaven. <laughs> Another parallel to this scene is when Izzy was fighting Steed to the death in episode six. Ed turned his back and he wasn't going to watch. And Mm -hmm. he is watching here. And not only is he watching here, he intervenes in a way that he didn't when Ed was, sorry, when Steed was up against Izzy. And Emily, what does he invoke? It's called the act of grace. And Meg, is this a real pirate English law? Yes. Emily, (laughs) the act of grace... 
was an actual proclamation from King George. Um, it was also known as a proclamation for the suppressing of pirates. And in 1717, because piracy was becoming a huge problem, one of the ways that they tried to mitigate... Suppress? Oh, yeah. Mm. One of the ways uh, in which the English government specifically tried to mitigate this issue is offering full pardons for pirates. It wasn't a... It wasn't an unlimited offer. Like, it was um, put out in, I want to say, like, 1717. And there was a deadline of either a year or 18 months for pirates to turn themselves in. And if a pirate captain did not surrender before the deadline, his crew could turn in the captain and gain a bounty. Oh, wow. Yep. You'd hope Um, that your men liked you. Yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, we would get paid for a mutiny? Yes, thank you. Something that was interesting is if you did accept the act of grace, you didn't actually lose any of your material possession. Okay, so what the what the rule was is that they wouldn't seize your booty if you took the act of grace, but there was an addendum that said if your materials were gained unlawfully, then the original lawful owner could reclaim them. So if someone could prove that this is the pirate who stole my plant off of my fishing boat, um, <laughs> they could reclaim it if the pirate uh, turned themselves in. Uh, and historically, Edward Teach and Steed Bonnet did take the act of grace around the same time. Oh my goodness. Although... I believe that while they both publicly signed the Act of Grace, that uh, Steed actually went through with it and then Blackbeard uh, backed out of it. There was, ooh, I would like to plug, I have two YouTube videos that I would like to promote. And if you like Our Flag Means Death, you would really enjoy both of these. One of them is a media analysis by Rowan Ellis. And the title of that video is Our Flag Means Death, Analyzing the Gay Pirate Show. And the other one is by Kaz Rowe, and it's called Blackbeard and Steed Bonnet, The True History Behind Our Flag Means Death. And Kaz did way more research than I did. I'm going off of like Wikipedia and one Smithsonian article, (laughs) and Kaz actually ended up reading a lot of uh, primary sources. So if y'all want to learn more about the actual history of what happened during this time period, you should watch it. But are there spoilers for season two in it? I don't know. Because HBO Max still has not renewed the show for season two. <laughs> I'm losing and, my uh, Megan, darn mind over this. Megan, let them know what for. Uh, HBO Max <laughs> sent me a survey. And they're like, you know, it was like, how long have you had your account? And what do you primarily use it for? Blah, 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 blah. And a lot of it was like, strongly agree, somewhat agree. Like, it was choosing just dots on a scale. But whenever there was a question with a fill in the box, like, do you plan on canceling your HBO Max? And I'm like, if you don't renew our flag means death, then yes, I will cancel. (laughs) What shows do you need HBO Max? I got it so I could watch our flag means death. Uh, What... Um, suggestions do you have for HBO Max? Renew our flag means death for season two. So (laughs) I've done my part and I've, you know, tweeted hashtags. 
Which, you know, <laughs> is a definite way to evoke real change in our modern world. <laughs> what I'm hoping is that the reason they're taking so long is they are just trying to get all their ducks in a row and make sure everyone can come back. Yeah. Like that, that is my, that's my hope and prayer. And I really hope because of the show's popularity that the crew are able to negotiate up their salaries. Mm-hmm. HBO I mean, Max, when you're good you at what sell, you do. If you sell merch of this, I will buy it. Emily. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. I just remembered. Remember a few weeks ago where I said, I got a package and I'm not going to show you until we're on the podcast? Yes. I have something to show you. Okay. Bought it at the Renaissance Fair. Is it the flag? Our flag means death. It is the flag. <laughs> yes. I got, they were selling replicas of the Jolly Roger, which is what's believed to historically have been Blackbeard's flag. It's not quite show accurate because Emily, if you remember when we saw Blackbeard's flag, what piece was it missing? The heart. Yeah, so like the show just has the the skeleton holding the spear um, for when we saw it at the beginning. But, uh, you know, it's still pretty close and I may hang it up behind me in my in my Zoom area. <laughs> and so uh, when I went, yesterday was the last day of the fair and I went with my friends um, and I said, oh, Priscilla, I bought the flag from our flag means death. And she's like, I want to buy one. And we went to the stand and they were completely sold out. So good job, nerds. <laughs> we did it. I love I love hearing about the because I'm just like, oh, it's such a fun show. Oh, it's so clever. Oh, it's all these things. And then to find out that historically this happened and this happened and this happened. I just ooh, I just love it. So in the show, so it's a little different. It's a little different from how it was in history. But Emily, because they've claimed for the act of grace, what do they have to do? Well, first, they don't think it's going to work because... The Admiral claims that Steed is not a real pirate and therefore this does not, this does not apply to him. And Lucius gets to shine again. It's very dramatic. Oh, I loved this scene because all of a sudden Lucius starts reading out loud because he had to keep track of everything in this stupid journal. And he reads the, the pirate, you know, the pirate what's the word I'm looking for, uh, event? I don't know. But the... The the raid. The plundering. The plundering of the fishing boat with the plant. And so they're proving, yes, he's a pirate. Yes, he's he's plundered ships. This is literal proof that we have. And he's standing there and reading it out loud. And uh, he's and just Olu so great. And below decks to get the plant. And yes. uh, guess what? It's doing like- really good. I was going to say, like, the crew itself, the plant has flourished. And, okay, Emily, remember in season, in episode three, you were so upset when the pirates were like, you were the worst pirate captain ever. Yes. What do they say in this episode? They say that he's wonderful. And he's such a good pirate captain. Fearsome pirate. He's a real pirate. And And poor Nigel has a meltdown over this. The face... Well, first of all, Steed's face, that's all he's ever wanted. Like, his journey and his heart's desire has come true. And just the happiness on his face. Oh, such a good actor, everybody. 
Uh, the whole crew is just so excited. And the hostage, the ex-hostages are like, oh, right, well, that's great. That's wonderful. That settles it. Because they're both really excited to be able to deliver Blackbeard to the king. Um, yes, it is a going to be a huge boost for them, uh, like, employment-wise, to be able to bring the Scourge of the Seas to the king. And, yeah, like you said, Nigel is very upset by this, super upset by this, which I get why. But it gets to the point where they have to, like, take him down. There's, like, five or six of the English soldiers that have to, like, pull him to the floor of the ship as he is screaming that he is an admiral. And how dare they do this? Stand down. We'll be forced to take measures. Measures? Against me? (laughs) He's the criminal! (laughs) Right? Calm down, Mr. Wavy Blade. He's the murderer! Oh, I forget that these twins are acted by the same person. (laughs) Hilariously, have you heard of the new uh, horror movie called Man? No. Yes! Oh, he's in it! He's the creepy priest! He's all of the men in the film. (gasps) Are you serious? (laughs) (laughs) He's really great at playing duplicates of himself. They better get him for the orphan black. (laughs) you beat me no same brain how nice but here's the thing um the blackbeard and steed are given the document to sign Mm -hmm. and steed's kind of like okay we're gonna find a way out of this we're gonna we're gonna do this and blackbeard is just like no we're gonna sign it like i mean he's kind of like uh you know a little hesitant but he isn't like blustering or protesting anything he's just signing yeah because they're they're told that steed cannot take the act of grace Unless Ed does it too. So Ed is literally sacrificing himself in order to do this. And he signs with an X because he doesn't know how to sign his name. Uh, It's because X marks the spot for treasure. And the real treasure (laughs) is the steed we fell in love with along the way. (laughs) And he really does it as like a big F you to Izzy. (laughs) Who's like, yeah, yeah. You really don't have to do this. <laughs> oh, sorry, that's what Steed says. But anyway, Emily, how long are they going to have to serve the crown? Ten years, which I feel is excessive. Ten human given years? The... <laughs> <laughs> given the the average span of a human's life back then, which I think was considerably shorter than it is today. But that's just, oh, I don't know. Listen, if I was given the choice, I... I don't know. I don't. Okay. I say I don't know what I would choose. I think I would want to live. But 10 years is forever. Uh, do you want to hear something great? Yes. 10 years ago, I finished my animation degree. Mm-hmm. And in two weeks, I finally get to be an animation director. So, like, yeah. I'm so excited. For it me. is. It was a <laughs> long time. To spend 10 years dedicating my life to chasing just one thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, 
if after my first week as director, these weird angels showed up and said, you did it, you're free, animation has no hold on you anymore, and I just, like, walked <laughs> back into the world, I don't know what I would do with myself after 10 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Well, they are taken to the Royal Privateering Academy for Wayward Seamen. You mentioned this episode is short. It is. It's, like, 10 minutes shorter than the last episode. Mm-hmm. So much happens they just stuff Mm -hmm. so much in and it's still like it doesn't feel rushed though like each scene takes the time it needs to hit its emotional beats like its emotional moments and things and i just Mm -hmm. i really like it um steed is ready to break out of the royal privateering academy for wayward seamen from day one like, even as they're signing in, he's getting ready to break out. But uh, Emily... He's like, okay, what's the plan? We're going to figure this out. Okay. And Blackbeard's just kind of like, mm, I don't really see a point to it. Like, we're here. Like, he's not depressed. He's not like droopy face, like, oh, what was me? He's just completely accepted. This is what it's going to take to save Steed. And he's made his peace with it. Yeah. and And Steed is like... What's the plan? Have you got a plan? Are you ready to go? And Ed's like, oh, no, just wait. Like, we'll just see. We'll just wait. Uh, When Steed is signing in, what does he find out about his legal status? That he's dead. He's been declared dead. And I think he immediately, maybe not immediately, but at one point he posits, I wonder if Mary really thinks I'm dead or if she did this out of spite. Like, He was married to her for how long? 12 years. And I feel like if he doesn't know her by now, if she would or wouldn't do something like that, then that speaks more to him than anything else. It's it's perspective again. Uh, Because we saw in the episode four flashbacks to her that she was she was really starting to try and communicate. Mm -hmm. And, And I don't know how much they did up to that point, but. She was really reaching out and trying to find a way to make their lives better and trying to make their marriage more workable. And he just left. Oh my gosh, what does that sound like? (gasps) (laughs) Look at you making all these connections. But oh, biggest shock of the whole episode. Biggest you yelled. Shock. I did. Blackbeard's beard is gone. Like there's not a there's not even like a montage of like the the beard getting cut and the curls falling to the floor. It's just he pokes his head out from under the bed. It freaked me out. It was so scary. <laughs> uh what's very hilarious to me is at the end of the episode, this first shot of Ed without his beard is put in Steed's flashbacks at the same level of traumatic as seeing Nigel die. <laughs> <laughs> because oh, it's uh like we were talking about how Izzy is wholly dedicated to his idea of Blackbeard, I think Steed you know really romanticized and fell in love with the idea of Blackbeard, and he wasn't a hundred percent ready for just Ed. Like, I, I'm gonna, mm-hmm. I'm gonna agree with you. 
like how much you dislike Steed in this episode, I think he handles this very immaturely. And the reason why I use the phrase immaturely is he's emotionally not ready for what happens in this episode. And while he is very happy in the moment down on the beach, which we'll talk about in a second, he overthinks it and he panics and he runs back to a perfect life that he's envisioning. Just the way he he ran away from home to live a perfect life of piracy. Now he's starting to nostalgia glasses, look back on his marriage, look back on his old life. And he's like, oh, no, I should go back to that place instead. And, mm-hmm. oh, man, ships in the night. But anyway, uh, so yeah, Seed's getting more and more freaked out by Ed's uh, calm acceptance of going to the school for wayward seamen <laughs> like i think i think ed is actually happy here mm-hmm. maybe not like i mean i don't know how happy you can be when you're you know you have 10 years ahead of you of you know serving a crown that you don't believe in or anything like that but he's very i say placid maybe that's not the right word he's very you say it what what oh no I, this is for when you're done i just i have a thought he's just like I'm here and I'm okay. Like he's he's really okay. I don't feel like he's lying about any of yeah. it. Um and I I love that he's at peace with this situation where Steed is just like, "Okay, we're going to get out of here and it's going to be an adventure." And and I think this is Ed and not Blackbeard any longer. It's he was tired of his life. He really was tired of mm-hmm. being Blackbeard and being the big, tough, strong guy, you know, it really felt like Blackbeard was a role he took upon himself. It's like, okay, Pagan, you haven't seen the new Batman movie, but you really should. Okay. (laughs) At one point, Batman is talking to one of the villains and the villain is like, see, I know who you are. And there's a worry that, oh no, he's found out his identity. He's like, Batman, the man with you right now with the mask, this is really you. Batman is your true self. The mask is you. And I feel like Ed was able to take that off and like not have to be Blackbeard anymore. And just how I think it's maybe it surprised him how happy he is because it was something that he wanted, but he didn't think he was going to get. And now he has it. Now he doesn't have to Mm -hmm. be Blackbeard anymore. And for me, um, I'm seeing it as relief as to not he doesn't have to be in charge anymore. He doesn't have mm-hmm. to make all of the decisions. He doesn't have to make all of the plans. Uh, that's that's one of the things he expressed to Izzy, his frustration about. is like, okay, we always need another plan. And then we finish that plan. And then what do we do? We have, like, another plan that we have to do. And then we execute that plan. And then there's another plan. And, and um, we kind of saw it from Steed's point of view when uh, – remember at the end of Lucius's countdown when – Ed's like, okay, what are you going to do? What What are you going to do now? What are you going to do? That's that's what it means to be Blackbeard. Mm-hmm. And now he is part of a system. He's part of a bunch of people in all of the same clothes. They're all like wearing the same plain linen shirt uniform. And mm-hmm. the most stressful thing he has to consider is how am I going to get my clothes folded and I think that's a huge relief to him and it's just going to be him to him he's like do you know what yeah it's 10 years but it's going to be me and Steed together for 10 years with no one else 
like bothering us or pulling us away and uh i think it's it's really visibly um visible gosh megan that was great uh i think it's very strongly visible when they're on the beach together but this is the first time they're both wearing the same thing at the same time like they have steed costumes and blackbeard costumes and yes they've swapped those and they've both been wearing fancy clothes at once but like now they are even footing for the very first time Mm -hmm. and the idea of being able to put down a burden that you've carried for so long whether it's like for blackbeard it's this persona if for ed it's the persona of blackbeard and everything that went with it and the idea that he's not just getting to pretend to take it off it is off it's not just oh one day this will be nice it's it's happening now and i think he's really like living in the moment of just like i get this i get this for myself and how pleased he is and happy okay just happy about it oh he's just so happy he smiles the whole time so then we we have just a quick little scene to show what did izzy get though after he got the revenge he's captain of the revenge and he's being so mean to everybody so mean to everybody but ivan and fang are back you know on both hands of both sides of izzy and and Izzy's making the crew work and he's just mean to him and he's like taking away their privileges and he's reveling in this. Like he is truly a bully who's only happy when other people are miserable because he is miserable. Oh, and I want to cut in and talk about the work that he's making the people on the crew do. So that thing in the middle of the deck with the handles in it that they're pushing around and around and around. Fun fact, that is called a bilge pump and the bilge uh is found at the lowest level of the ship it is both ballast stone and a certain amount of water that is purposefully put into the ship to weight it and keep it floating upright however because things happen at sea and there's rain and there's waves over the side uh eventually the bilge starts to fill up too much with water obviously if your boat's too full of water it'll sink so that is a pump system that goes all the way down to the bottom of the ship and you um it doesn't have the spokes on it all of the time but when it's time to pump out the bilge you put the spokes into that wheel and you push it around and it physically pumps the water out of the bottom of the boat and the name Bilge Rats uh, comes from this part of a ship's anatomy. But yes, Izzy's being very mean. It's very sad. It's very sad. And it's also very sad to watch our dear pirates, who've had a good pirate dad for a while, uh, now get stuck back in another abusive captain-crew relationship. Mm-hmm. And you're like, no, my boys... Someone save my voice. Someone save them. Well, Emily, time to go to a scene on a golden beach. Hey, guess what? I bet it's color graded. You are correct. (laughs) (laughs) And it is color graded gold or yellow. And green. Uh... So, so, yes, but they're not coloring the people or the sky green. So, like, they've added yellow on top of it, which is making the greens richer. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what I want to say is this. You know the very sad scene at the end when Ed's rowing yes. away? Yes. Do you remember what color that is graded? 
purple. Do you know where yellow and purple are on the color wheel? Are they on opposite ends of the spectrum? They are on opposite sides of the color wheel. <laughs> oh, no. Almost as if these two scenes have perfectly opposite Are emotionally. Emotions. <laughs> emotionally opposite. <laughs> <sighs> I love this scene when this happened the first time i watched it this conversation i was like chewing on the curtains in my home (laughs) i was so impressed okay so we started talking a little bit about the beginning of the season about how like therapy is happening for several people like the pirates are getting to talk it through as a crew and they don't have to bottle it all up inside and I think Ed has made his own self-discovery and he just wants to do what makes Ed happy. And that is not something he's been allowed to do for a long time. Mm -hmm. Either other people have not allowed him to do this. He has not allowed himself to do this. He has not had permission from anyone to do this, to make, to do whatever makes Ed happy. And like that breakthrough of you don't have to always do what people want you to do sometimes okay listen this is okay go for it i saw a quote one time and it's my new favorite quote okay and it says sometimes in order to lead your best life you have to disappoint your parents i don't know if you leave that in there but the idea that a lot of times we're brought up to give of ourselves to others. And you want to do that. You want to, you mm-hmm. know, you, you don't want to be a selfish jerk. I get that. But sometimes when you lose yourself in helping others or you lose yourself doing what other people are telling you or what you think you're supposed to be doing, and the moment that you realize, oh, I can do what makes me happy is like this life-changing mm-hmm. start to the next part of your journey. And I Ed has come to that part of his journey. Granted, um, he didn't come from a very altruistic helping other people background. I do want to read one of my one of the things that make me laugh in this scene where he's like just drinking all day and biting the heads off of turtles or making some poor bloke eat his own toes as a laugh. <laughs> and then Steve goes, yuck. Where's the laugh in that? (laughs) Anyway, you have brought up, Emily, so many beautiful, wonderful, strong points. Thank you. I would like to counter with. I'm in therapy. You are, and you're doing great. You're getting a good grade in therapy, which is both possible and definitely achievable. And a normal thing to want to do. Steed is not doing a lot of talking in this scene. Yeah. Ed has come to a breakthrough, and I don't think Steed has yet. Mm-mm. And that he's looks... still hung up on the. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Oh no, I was, I was. You, you were going to say he's still hung up on his wife declaring him dead. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say that, and also uh, wanting to be a pirate. Yeah. Yes. And this is not letting him be a pirate. Yes. So a storyline that I hate in TV shows, because this generally happens in TV shows more than it does in movies, is when one character says I love you and gets mad when the other person doesn't say it. Because, Mm -hmm. Emily, people are different. And emotions can run 
faster or more gradually in different people. And, you know, as much as, as much as you feel in tune with your partner or feel in sync with your partner, the two of you probably aren't going to achieve emotional milestones in your relationship at the exact same moment. And so I, I always get so sad when I see a story and one partner says, I love you. And the other partner like, freaks out and then they both get into a huge fight about it and if it's Grey's Anatomy then we yell about it for two <laughs> I love Grey's Anatomy though but this happens a couple times and I really like that you know I don't think uh, Steve reciprocates in this scene he like definitely does and I think they're both in love at this point because I think the okay okay do you remember when I said uh, the moment where I thought Ed first falls in love in the series. Oh, the pocket square. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. And I think Steed really falls in love or like realizes that he's falling in love when Ed climbs back on the boat at the end of the last episode when he's like, mm-hmm. you came mm-hmm. back. Um, but I don't think Steed realizes that being in love with Ed is actually a viable option. I don't think he mm-hmm. knows yet. But in this scene where uh, Ed's talking about, like, listen, these last few weeks is the most fun I've had in ages, you know, maybe ever. And then there's that moment where he says the thing that makes me happy is you. And Steve's happy about that. And then Ed leans over to kiss him. Emily, you've seen a lot of movies. What did you think of this kiss? I was actually shocked that it was here in this moment. I think it fits beautifully. Not Mm -hmm. saying I can't believe they put it in here. I was expecting this. I was expecting a kiss, but I wasn't expecting it until like the end of the whole story. Mm -hmm. But technically, I guess it is the end of their story here for the moment. So this is like, this is like the end of that story. And it's, it's not like, okay. So I'm going to list one of my favorite kisses in movie slash tv and it is it is in the regency uh the regency television series called north and south it's a four hour long thing and you get one little kiss at the end but this kiss has built up for four hours and it is this soft beautiful kiss where they're just like we love each other and then you get other kisses where, like, people are just, like, slobbering all over each other. And listen, kiss how you want to kiss. Uh, that's your business. But this kiss was so soft and so tender. Oh, I just loved and, like, it. very hesitant, too, because Boat Jack Horse Ass mentioned that, oh, Blackie and I, things happen at sea. We've had our dalliances doesn't sound like it would be in any kind of tender situation and mm-hmm. i've seen some people gripe online about oh this kiss is so stiff and i'm like no no this kiss is unsure and that's what makes it like lovely because ed is really putting himself out here to do this this is the kiss they didn't get under the moonlight in episode five when ed like leaned forward a little bit and then chickened out he's like brave enough that you can go for it now i love it this actually may be my favorite on-screen kiss that's only because i feel i got cheated out of a real first kiss on bones (laughs) (laughs) 
because their first kiss is in a comedic mistletoe situation uh, leveraged on them by a co-worker. Boo, don't do that to your co-workers, boo. Oh, yeah, listen, Emily, we'll talk about it on Super Bones, but it is literally a case of quid pro quo sexual harassment, which I learn about in all of the many videos that I have to watch because every time I move to a new studio, I have to watch a new video about uh, studio policies. And this person in Bones, Miss Caroline Julian, I love you, Caroline, but this was out of bounds, is like, I will not do this favor for you unless you kiss Booth under the mistletoe because I think it's funny. And I'm like, that's literally quid pro quo. (laughs) (laughs) You're a federal prosecutor, Miss Julian. You should know this. (laughs) Ed's put himself out there and is obviously like, you know, and is obviously very scared after they break apart. And Steed says, the perfect thing which is you make steed happy he perfectly reciprocated and emily now ed makes the classic gay television character blunder and he invites his true love to run away with him <laughs> it never works <laughs> let that be a lesson <laughs> we've got xerophil being like Crowley, let's just run away from the apocalypse. Crowley stands him up. We've got Jaskier uh, in The Witchers. Like Gerald, <laughs> him. And Gerald leaves him. And uh, I know it's not TV, but there's that one scene in the Magnus Archives where John's like, Martin, let's just run away and leave the Institute behind. And Martin's like, no. So <laughs> listen, uh, people, there are steps to a relationship. There are so many steps between first kiss and run away with me. So many (laughs) other steps, which include... Run away with me. Test vacation together, road trip together, helping significant other clean their apartment so you really know how they live before you volunteer (laughs) to live with them forever. You mean you can't secretly clean the whole time you're together? You can't secretly clean your apartment every time before the person you have a crush on comes over. (gasps) I almost invited someone over to my house the other day and then I was like, they have to see it clean at least twice before they can see what it usually looks like. (laughs) But Steve's been thinking back on Mary this whole time. And as Ed Mm -hmm. proposes this runaway with me plan, what... Oh, to China, because it's so far away, and they'll get new names, new identities. They'll start over. They Mm -hmm. won't be Blackbeard and the Gentleman Pirate. They'll be something completely new. What specific moment in his past does Steed reflect on before he says yes? It is, okay, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was uh, the fight that he and Mary have about the the ship and how she says, I like our life, Steed. That's not it. Okay, hold on. That was at the beginning of this sequence, though. That was at the beginning of this sequence, though. Um, And I think it's important that he's remembering Mary say, I don't hate our lives. Mm -hmm. Because I think Steed secretly in the back of his mind is like, do you know what? Being at home might be better than being here. But instead, he remembers when Mary says, we only have this one life. Mm -hmm. And... Steed thinks about that, and then he says yes. I am so upset with Steed in this part, because I feel like 
Okay, there's this one particular there's this one particular part where he mashes his lips together and he nods like mm-hmm. He already knows. I thought this was something that he had decided to do and then changed his mind. He straight up lies to Ed here. And listen, okay, I understand if you're scared in a relationship. That's that's to be expected. That happens. But something this big, I just, and again, it was moving very quickly. I'm not saying anyone is at fault, but I'm still really, I'm more upset at Steed than I am at anybody else because he is deliberately leading Ed on after they've had this wonderful, wonderful journey together. And I feel bad for him that he doesn't feel safe enough that he can say, wait, slow down, hold on, let me think about it. Because I think he's just so worried about upsetting, about ruining Ed's happiness. Because we don't really get to see Ed happy ever, but he is happy here. Yeah. And I I don't think he's planning to back out here. But you're right. He's definitely saying yes to something he's not ready to. Which I have done many a time. (laughs) Uh, Going back to Grey's Anatomy... Mm-hmm. The show with the highest rate of divorce on television. <laughs> uh, there is a particular storyline with uh, George and Callie a couple different times, actually, where they misunderstand what the other person says and they end up jumping like a bunch of different hoops in their relationship. So like um, Callie needs a place to crash for a while. So George invites her to stay with him and mm-hmm. He thinks she's looking for a new place, but it's been two weeks, and it doesn't seem like she's looking for a new place. And she said, oh, I'll see you at home after work. She's already referring to my place as home. Does she think she's moved in with me? Are we ready to move in together? But he doesn't talk about it with her right away, and, like, the resentment builds, and then it ends up coming out during a fight scene instead of during a normal conversation. And then Callie actually calls him out on it, which I appreciate because I love Callie Torres, and she's like... And wow, maybe if you'd use your grown-up words instead of sulking like a toddler, we wouldn't be breaking up right now. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> anyway, anyway, all this to say, I think Steed would have a great time running away with Blackbeard, but I don't think he's ready to yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would like to point out a parallel. In the pilot, after he's just killed Nigel and he's freaking out, Olu grabs him by the vest and says, do you want to live? And Steed says, I think so. And here when Blackbird says, do you want to run away with me? Steed says, I think so. Oh, these are two questions. Questions. These are two questions (laughs) to which the answer should be an enthusiastic yes. Yeah, Steed, you should want to live. Yes, Steed. You want a boyfriend that folds your socks and will organize your entire trip to China. That's a good boyfriend to have. You should hold on to that. I don't think Steed's ever, besides going to be a pirate, Steed's never had to make his own choices ever. That's true because he was going to inherit the Mm -hmm. chicken killing business. He was told who he was going to marry. Mm -hmm. Um everything in his life was already pre-planned out and he had no say in anything (gasps) oh megan and even when he became a pirate captain things didn't go the way that he 
wanted to all the time, if ever. Yeah. And then yeah. once uh, Ed came on board, Ed was such a figure of power and authority that the whole crew, like, immediately went along with Steed's wishes because Ed was backing him up. And mm-hmm. this is the first time that Steed would be making this big decision. And I think he, instead of talking it through as a crew, he's just like, oh, yeah, Blackbeard, you make the decision. Yeah, I'll go with you, Ed. I'll go with you. And then once he does think it through on his own and then with a little help from his new pal buddy, <laughs> uh, I think he makes the wrong choices. <laughs> yeah. What does Dalinar say at the end of the first Way of King's book? Where it's like, you do not expect a child to know right from wrong. You require a child to do what is right until they're old enough to know the difference. (laughs) Well, back on the ship. We're voting on a mutiny. (laughs) And it's unanimous. Unanimous. Including Fang and Ivan. They're back. And they are making the right decision. Yes, they are. Because they're talking it through as a crew. And they decide to pick a new captain. Emily, who's going to be the new captain? Well, this was so sweet because, like, everyone, I mean, the pirates are always kind of goofballs. You know, they're all goofballs. They just, they're always funny. But this was a very, like, I say serious scene, but more of, like, a very emotionally important scene of, well, of course it's you, Olu. Like, of course it's you. And Olu tries to take himself out. He's like, no, I seriously do not want to be captain. Like, no, thank you. And they're like, you know, the guy who doesn't want to be captain gets to be captain. (laughs) This is a fun resolution to the first time they were discussing mutiny when they were bickering amongst themselves who should get to be captain. Because that Mm -hmm. time it was like about power. It was about experience. It was about, you know... Who's going to be the big man? And here, I, I feel they even salute him at the end. And they're like, Captain, Captain, Captain. <laughs> and uh, it's... <sighs> they grew so much with Steed as their captain to the point where they can stand up for themselves when they're in a bad captain-crew relationship. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a lot of feelings. But... Uh... <laughs> Here we have the next scene, which is the last time that Ed and Steed see each other in this episode. Uh, He has worked everything out. Blackbeard is so smart and so intelligent and so ready to go. He's like, this is the plan. We're going to, someone's going to take you at, you know, in two hours, get some sleep. This is going to be great. We're going to row in a dinghy. We're going to get to China. Like he has planned everything out. I mean, he's, we know this, he's very intelligent and he's very smart and he's made his career being intelligent and smart and he's got it all figured out. And he just tells Steed, you don't have to do anything. Just come down to the beach. That's all. And I guess I should have expected this, but I was really surprised. (laughs) I wouldn't think that, I, I don't know where I thought the Admiral went, but it, I did not think he was going to be at the wayward, the wayward place, the, the whatever, the school for wayward seamen. But the Admiral is the one who wakes Steed up at gunpoint and marches him into wherever they're stationed, the jungle of wherever they're stationed. And he is drunk as a skunk and weaving and slurring his words and is still very upset about what happened. Which he should be. His brother died. His brother died. I don't think he's been assigned to the school for wayward seamen. 
because he's not wearing the school uniform. He's wearing the undergarments to his admiralty uniform with the gold braiding on them. But his uh, navy blue coat is off, and he's still... Uh, again, it's another scene where the men are wearing much more similar outfits. They're both in white for this conversation. And here we have the big accusation. So when we saw Nigel's ghost, who was embodying the guilt. Okay, Emily, do you remember what specific guilt Nigel's ghost embodied? Not being a good pirate. Um, when when Steed was talking with the leader, he said, do you feel guilty this man is dead? And Steed says, no, actually, he was pretty awful. And the guy says, is there is is there something you do feel guilty for? And Steed flashbacked to his family. Oh. So just like Nigel's ghost uh, embodied Steed's guilt for wrecking his family, uh, this other brother is now uh, making him face, like, Nigel, not Nigel, Nigel's brother. It's probably Chauncey, right? Yeah. Chauncey goes off on this huge tear about all of the things that Steed has ruined. And Steed says, I agree. And Emily. Which is huge because Steed doesn't like to own up to mistakes. When there was going to be a mutiny or there was going to be, you know, something on the on the ship, he made Lucius tear it out of the journal. Like, mm-hmm. and to have Steed, like, have to face it is a growth, growth arc. Yep. Significant line. Chauncey says, you're not human. You're a monster, a plague. You defile beautiful things. <laughs> and when he says that, he says, you defiled my dear brother. Sword through the eye. Your own family. Uh, he sees them being painted all together. And then you've even managed to bring history's greatest pirate to ruin. And that's when Steed pictures the first time he sees Ed without the beard. So Steed has hero worshipped Blackbeard before he even met him. He hero worshipped the idea of being a pirate. And this guy was the ultimate pirate. And now he has to face the fact that I don't think he ruined Ed. Like you like you vocalized so beautifully earlier. This is Ed like looking inside and making decisions for himself and following what makes Ed happy. And mm-hmm. just like Izzy Hands, in this moment, Steed is like, Oh, I've ruined the quote true Blackbeard, the real Blackbeard. And it's sad because that's not what that's not what's happening, but uh Ed, uh, Steed still feels really bad about it. God's perfect little rich boy. Mm-hmm. Which you've got to, I've got to wonder, like, I mean, this doesn't happen in this show at all, but I, I also have to be wondering if what he thinks of himself and what his, if all he does is ruin everything he touches, maybe that's why he decided not to go with Blackbeard. Maybe that's why he went back to his family. That maybe it's better. If he mm-hmm. and Ed aren't together, maybe he's starting to agree with Izzy's hypothesis that if they were separated, Ed could just go back to being Blackbeard. <sighs> anyway, but then I am then so Megan's sorry. the worst. I'm the so worst. sorry. I didn't think this death was that bad. You didn't. You weren't even watching when it happened. Oh, because I have seen this scene a few times. And then she goes, "Oh, it's not that bad." And I'm like, "The man." Okay. 
be careful, but like the man tripped and we see him blow his brains out. See, see, I'm right. I'm right. Did you see that? You pause. Yes. No, I pause to watch it. We see the very bright flash of the muzzle. We don't see any gray matter. There's no fountain of blood like you so facetiously There was a bunch of blood. And he just has like a patch on his eye that's now missing to parallel where his brother got stabbed in the eye. (laughs) And Emily, I'm sorry I didn't warn you. Um, You know, it's You know what else you didn't warn me about? What? The scene in Bones. I... This isn't a Bones podcast. <laughs> okay, yeah. And you know, I probably didn't warn you about this because I'm like, oh, she saw that scene in Bones, which was like a million times worse because that was during the daylight and that head actually did fully explode and spatter the character standing around them. I still could have used some warning. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. If there's If there's any kind of weird stuff in episode 10, I'll warn you. I promise. Okay. Okay, well, that was the second biggest emotional betrayal we're going to talk about today because the first is (laughs) Ed shows up to the dock and his plan, uh, Steed was supposed to be there. Steed was supposed to be there a half hour before him. Mm -hmm. But he gets there. And there's no one. And he just waits. He's been stood up for the school dance, Emily. He's going to have to go to Domino's and get a medium cheese pizza and sneak it into the movie theater and watch Enchanted and cry because he got stood up to the school dance. That's a very specific. It happens. (laughs) 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 We have this purple scene. Because it's the opposite of the golden scene from earlier. Because that was the golden hour. And man, hey Emily, I want to shout out one more parallel. I'm ready. So where the camera is situated in the rowboat. Mm -hmm. When it's just looking at Ed rowing. Does that remind you of anything else that's happened in the series so far? You're making a rowing motion, but I don't know. Do you remember when Steed was little and the boys tied his hands to the oars and threw rocks at him while he rowed down the river? Yeah. I would say that Ed's getting pelted by some emotional rocks right now. <laughs> but it's that and it's the, that same angle. And the thing, the the way that Taika plays this is there's no like heaving and crying and like that's like it's this very quiet almost like his whatever happiness he has has died like literally died he is just really going through the motions of i had this happiness in front of me and i don't anymore and i just loved how how quiet his grief was because I think he is betrayed. I don't see anger yet. I'm assuming anger is coming. But it's just that, like, broken down so much, all you can do is move forward. Like, 
Ugh. Steed, curse you! I will be angry for Ed. I have a lot of anger to Steed. Well, and, and, and here's the thing is like, Steed likes to think of himself, like you said, Steed likes to think of himself as a perfect person. And if a situation is not perfect, then he just wants to throw it all out. And now Steed is finally admitting that he's not perfect. And it's like he's just trying to throw himself away, like putting himself back to restart, all this sort of stuff. And mm-hmm. it's uh, it's a sad but true story that this season is about Steed is our main character. So he has to go on a growth arc, on a journey arc. And while he's been, you know, growing romantically closer to Ed, I don't think he's grown a lot as a person yet. So we'll have to see if, if episode 10, uh, what the, because um, I think I mentioned this to you before is that these two characters have been together since episode four and they've been growing together in this relationship since then. And we're going to have to see what they're like uh, when they spend an episode apart. Also, um, I wanted to bring up your fairy tale theme again because part of because everything happens so perfectly. You know, yeah. you get someone on your side, you get, you know, this and this and this, and in a day you've managed to escape from this English, I'm going to say prison, because it's really yeah. literally a prison. And the plan is to, I mean, to get a dinghy and row to China. Like, that's physically impossible. But in a fairy tale, it's not. And so I, I just, I kind of liked that idea that the fairy tale extended from the revenge and it, like, encapsulated Ed and Steed. But Emily, all fairy tales end with a kiss. And they've already kissed. So the fairy tale's over. Well, the third biggest emotional betrayal that happens (laughs) is we were going to get to see the crew kill Izzy Hands. (laughs) Yes, I was so excited about it. And an Even though murder is wrong. And everything. You can see Wee John holding it on the rope and they're going to toss him over the side. And if they're like, black people, one, have. a two. <laughs> and then the fairy tale prince returns and brings the fairy tale back to the boat. So this, uh, this execution stops. Oh, sorry, I was just looking at him in the sunlight in the flowy <laughs> white shirt and the flowy hair looking all Disney like- prince. <laughs> <laughs> like Fabian or whatever the, the yeah. you know but he um yeah he just he comes on the ship and just says hey Izzy I'm gonna be in my quarters bring me some tea so he's immediately stepped into the captain role put Izzy back in charge um, but without the bluster and swagger of Blackbeard this is a broken man <sighs> and where has Steed ended up, Emily? Oh, I was so surprised, Steed, because I thought he'd gotten lost. I thought this was going to be a really thing of, like, literally, he got lost in the jungle, and he really tried to get there, and it's not his fault. But no, he chose to go back to his home, and he walks in, and Mary is there with a bunch of other ladies, and he's just like, I'm home. And I think she's in black. Is she in black? Hold on. She is. Yeah. So I'm assuming she's still in mourning and she's standing there and the the saucer, the cup is rattling like 
go, 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 go. And so I think she really did think he was dead. I don't think that. Mm -hmm. And he comes in looking like a freaking ghost. He is all in white linen. Barefooted. Mm Mm-hmm. Mary is looking, I'm not going to say disheveled, but she's got her sleeves rolled up. Her hair's kind of messy. She's looking a little disheveled. And the other ladies that are there are very prim and proper and put together. So I'm wondering if she's like really falling apart thinking that Steed has is gone and died. Either that, or I hope they're there planning on becoming suffragettes and fighting for women's bones. <laughs> Uh, we'll, uh, we'll have to see in the next episode. But before we wrap this one up, do you recognize the set that this is shot in? No. So that's Oh, is it, is it the fancy boat? Is it the fancy French boat? No, no. Uh, the stained glass window in the door you may recognize from an episode of The Good Place. Oh, no. Is this, is this the medium place? No, this is when they are actually in the good place. Um, oh. Where they're in, like, the, the in-between area. So it's uh, season three, episode ten. They're one locked mm-hmm. door away from being in the actual good place. Um, and Eleanor and Chidi are, like, debating on going through it. This is also the episode, I think Chidi dresses up as a mailman, if that's what It is, it is. I was just about to say that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, they're filmed in the same location. Oh, that's really cool. All right. Well, uh, gentle listeners, that brings us to a wrap on season one, episode nine, Act of Grace. Next week, we will be covering season one, episode 10, Wherever You Go, There You Are. And, uh, Emily, can I have your immediate predictions for what are we going to do in this last episode of the season? I don't know. Like, how is Seed supposed to find his boat, you know, in the middle of the ocean? To be fair, literally no one has had trouble finding anything this whole show, right? (laughs) You could just, Izzy gets in a dinghy and just immediately gets to the Republic of Pirates. So everybody's got fast travel equipped. I'm sure Seed has a safe (laughs) point on his boat. Oh, really quick tangent. So I read a fanfic about Dragon Age of Inquisition. And for a while I thought it was a Skyrim fanfic because I've never... But anyway, I figured I was Dragon Age of Inquisition. Started playing Dragon Age of Inquisition. And uh, I'm like 30, 40 hours into this game and I just figured out how to equip potions and make stuff. (laughs) Emily's very new to gaming, you guys. Super new. (laughs) And she doesn't have me to coach her through on it. I, have to I ask, almost though, called you multiple times to be like, can you help me? <laughs> you have called me multiple times, but the number has tapered off as you continued on because there's a learning curve in games and you're riding it like a pro skateboarder. You're doing great. <laughs> I got to know, though, have you figured out how old the dragons are? How old the dragons are? Right. Isn't the whole game, uh, it's about a dragon's age inquisition? <laughs> So you're supposed to be asking, how old are the dragons? I've missed the whole point of the game, apparently. (laughs) All right, everyone. Join us next. Oh, dang. Why did I put a cookie in my mouth? I was about to say. Give it a second. Uh, 
Join us next week to talk about the very last episode. And then it'll be Emily's turn to pick the next thing we cover on a miscellaneous channel. Emily, do you have something in mind for our next option? I to cover? do. It is it is a book, and we will announce it at the end of the next episode. Could you but. announce the book now so they have a few weeks to read it? Oh yes. Okay. Uh, so the next uh miscellaneous piece we're going to do is a book. We're going to cover a book, and it's called One to Watch, and it is a novel by Kate Stamen London. And she is awesome. I believe this is her first published book, but she's gone on. She writes episodes of television. She's done a bunch of, bunch of cool stuff. And we'll talk about her more. But it is a book about a plus-sized woman who is a blogger. And one night of drunken blogging, she blogs about The Bachelorette and how it's really not, like, it doesn't really portray the average woman in America, that sort of thing. And she wakes up to it being an overnight internet sensation. And she is invited to be the next bachelorette as a plus size woman. And I love this book so much. I read it all in a day, the very first day I got it. And I just couldn't do a thing for the rest of the day. I was like, I love this book. I love this book. Um, so Megan, I'm interested to see what you, you think about it. It's just, it's a fun read. It's not, I don't know. It's just a fun read. No, so. I'm I'm excited. I've never read it. So okay, that's the point of this feed is we just pick things <laughs> for each other. So anyway, well, we are going to get ready to go jump into episode 10. And then Emily, you and I will talk it through as a crew. Have a good night, everybody. Bye. Love you. Bye. Thank you again, everyone, for listening to our Our Flag Means Death coverage. And thank you again to Colleen for our first listener email. Oh my gosh, so exciting. If you would like to send encouragements, corrections, or just say hi, you can message us at sismademeviewit at gmail.com. And if you like hearing Emily and I talk about things, great news. We have two other podcast feeds, one where we cover the Stormlight Archives by Brandon Sanderson. We are just getting into book two. It's very exciting. And we are also covering the Roswell 1999 edition. And we're halfway through the second season, a quarter of the way through the second season. And I am finally consistently enjoying the episodes. It's a great feeling. A special thanks to Michael B. and Cardi for the use of his song, A Passing Storm, in our intro and outro. We love this song, Michael. We use it for all of our podcasts. It's, it's gorgeous. And uh, I'm going to wrap this up with another apology for our late episode and a final reminder that we are going to be, after episode 10 next week, we're going to be taking the remainder of August off from just this feed as a vacation. But Roswell and the Stormlight Archive will continue. Anyway, I love you all. I hope you have a great day. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.